guys. Welcome to another uh, week of League One fun. Uh, this week on the show, we have Jason, Mark, Ira. Uh, Chris is unfortunately not able to be with us, but we still have a lot of content to bring you. Uh, not only some signings and some preseason action, but we have some big news. And as always, some great questions coming in from you guys. Uh, so let's kick it off. Uh, we're we're going to go with the news first. We've we've done signings for the last couple of weeks, and as preseason continues, we're still going to have signings to, to come in. But let's start off with uh, some news. And I think the biggest news that is now officially official, we reported it a couple weeks ago, but it's official now that ESPN Plus will be streaming uh, the home games for and all the games for League One, uh, including the playoffs. So in addition to having the second year of the uh, USL, well, now USL Championship, you can also catch League One. Um, so guys... One that's great for me because I have I, I'm nowhere near teens, so like that's great for me to watch. But you know, how much more interest uh, do you think it's going to bring into the communities of fans? Um, you know, especially you know, watch parties, things of that nature can come in, and people that you know may not want to spend some money on the game, or if you're in places like uh, Madison, it still might be cold for the first part of the season, and you can stay at home and for five dollars a month be watching watching games. I think it's huge, you know, especially with away games with new, and new teams. The fact that we have broadcast for every single match is is just great. You know, like one of the things that before we heard the rumors of ESPN Plus, I was a little bit worried that they would be all like just local, um, local broadcast rights being sold and not necessarily national. So I think this could be really good for the league. And I think the fact that you cross-brand all USL products basically between the championship and League One, that's very helpful as well. And it's, it's exposure too, right? So you have international players who are coming here now are getting exposure. I don't know about uh, whether or not USL will be able to play on YouTube like they did in the championship games for overseas for, you know, whether it's in France or Spain. But, you know, now you have international players getting exposure and also people who are into a scouting network, right? So if you can't go to these games and you're looking up, you know, articles and looking up tweets to see – notes on these players you can actually go and tune into these games now so it's a great scouting network as well to you know leagues whether it's mls or other leagues all around the world and it's just that accessibility it's a part of a stream which also has usl championship uh, mls games uh, syria just tons of soccer tons of other sports uh, i think this is probably the best place to have this league um, on a streaming network. I'm extremely excited about it. You can go back, watch the games, replay them. Uh, yeah, I think this is a win for everybody, whether you are in a city with the team, whether you are away games, whether you want to go view a viewing party at a bar, it is now easy to set up. You don't have to worry about doing any kind of um, illegal streaming or anything like that. This is the place to be. For sure. And I think that for international viewers that they can still watch it on youtube i don't know if there's a if there's a delay you know if it's if it's going to be available the next day or if it's available to stream you know live or or pre-live live live. okay i'm pretty sure it's live yeah yeah so and you know that is as we talked about i think our first or second episode uh the amount of international players that we have coming in um you know the fact that you can watch you know some of your favorites or people that you that you grew up with, things of that nature. Um, you know, live. That's that's going to be an even bigger impact. Uh, another news there is that uh, Ford Madison and Minnesota United uh, they're going to have a friendly in June. Uh, earlier this this uh, season, we talked about how Ford and uh, Minnesota United uh, have a partnership. So. You know, we, it looks like uh, the friendly is going to be announced in June. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be uh, an open. I, w- I would hope that it would be a, a an open friendly. I thought it would make sense. Um, but I think it's, it's got to be right. I mean, why else would you do this? I think it's basically to try and get you know MLS exposure maybe in Madison, given that you know they're they have the partnership. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't see a reason why why there wouldn't be. Um, 
yeah so so until we find out otherwise we're, we're, we're going to assume it's going to be open um and also uh found out this week that lansing has a partnership with chicago fire so we're seeing more of uh the partnerships you know where this could be potential loanies um up or down, you know, depending on how seasons go, depending on player availability, all of that, which, you know, is, is great exposure um, for teams uh, and, and also, you know, a, a potential great pathway for players that are, that can get, you know, that, that MLS exposure or conversely, if they need some training and rehab, things of that nature, come down and, and get some playing time without overly taking away from, uh, you know, players that, that may not have time. Uh, I like the the friendlies being in June. I don't know about the Lansing one, but I like this forward one being in June because now you're a couple months into the league. You kind of see where your team is lacking at certain depth. Uh, you see kind of maybe you know certain players for forward that have a chance of moving up, or maybe Minnesota players that aren't playing uh, that have a chance of filling in a spot that forward is struggling in. Uh, so by that time, I think you'll have a lot of Loon fans be extremely excited to see the potential players that they can see moving up. And you also see Madison fans excited to A, get an MLS team in their city and B, also see, you know, maybe some players that are on the bench and saying like, hey, we're struggling at depth or we've had injuries at this position. It would be really nice to see this player come down and play with us. Presumably they'll do it during the uh, during the international break for the Gold Cup. So there might be a couple of Minnesota players not there, maybe even a uh, you know a forward player not there as well. But presumably if they do it during that period of time, there's a lot of other soccer going on, but not necessarily locally, right? So that's uh, I, I think a, another thing like it fills a gap and uh, that people are used to going to matches every week or every other week. Um, this is a good way to to do it locally without um, you know it doesn't mean a lot, but it could be um, you know get people really excited right to see you know an mls team come and who knows i mean forward could potentially see an mls team in the open cup around that time as well uh in an actually competitive match it's not outside the realm of possibility isn't that great to hear a league one team might be missing someone potentially out on international duty for the gold cup <laughs> that's that's great to hear I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't expect that from the league in the first year, but yeah, we have international players. Ford has a Panamanian player that might be in the Gold Cup and they might be missing him during that time. That's that's just great to hear. That's true. And now, uh, Lansing, might, Steve uh, St. Duke might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be playing for Haiti well. as well. So, so, yeah, that is definitely, you know, a lot of excitement. Looking forward to getting all that exposure out there. Um, the next piece of news that I have is that uh, the Kickers is going to host a preseason match. Uh, it looks like on March 16th. Um, and it's going to be uh, the NWSL Washington Spirit versus James Madison uh, University. Um, Ira. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is something they did last year, too. Um, I think it just, you know, Washington, the Spirit is just a couple hours up the road, about 90 miles uh, between uh, where the Spirit play and, and down in uh, Richmond. Um, it also takes place during one of the largest youth tournaments in the country. It's the Jefferson Cup. It's kind of the spring preseason showcase tournament. So you have a lot of development academy clubs, a lot of other high-level clubs that are, you know, sub-development academy, but still very high-level soccer being played around there. So, um, so you can get, you know, thousands of kids potentially there in between their matches to watch watch a game like this right so just more professional soccer regardless of whether or not it's the local team or not um and and hopefully you know it also can generate interest in the women's game as well um just by having having the spirit there it was pretty well received last year so hopefully it could be again this year yeah that's that's definitely good to hear uh you know as we, we talk about you know league one looking at getting players, you know, from academies or, you know, potentially being that first step um, and going, you know, from going up and hopefully to, to bigger and better things, uh, you know, definitely having them, uh, you know, get an early schedule, schedule on some players to, uh, to keep an eye on is, is going to help out, uh, not only for them, but I'm sure, you know, that there's, there's some other teams around that will be doing the same. Uh, Ira, getting the signings here, Ira, we're going to kick it back to you here um, with the kickers. Uh, They have at least one uh, signing 
to report this week? Yeah, so so this week one, one signing another uh, another callback. So I think this is their fourth uh, player that they're re-signing from last year's roster. So uh, Connor Shanowski, who uh, he's a center back, he's pretty tall. Um, you know, he's he's really good in the air and he reads the game really well. He's he's one of those players that I think is you know could do okay in the championship and you know I think will do very well in League One as well. Um, he's not quite MLS quality, but he's uh, he's solid. He's interesting too because he's another semi. Uh, semi-close product whereas he was a dc united homegrown player uh so he was signed by uh by dc was loaned down to richmond when they were affiliated before this year right they were uh they had the affiliate agreement between richmond and dc um so he's uh, uh he also spent two years with louisville so he's actually won a usl cup um and uh now he's back with uh, richmond this is i think his second or third year i think it's his third year uh back with richmond after a, a couple of years with louisville so so, you know, a, a solid veteran, um, you know, he's not particularly old. He actually was signed as a homegrown when he was 18. So um, so even though he's been around for, you know, eight years, he's, you know, still, you know, kind of in the prime of his career. So another good, you know, solid veteran signing there. And at one point was the leading goal scorer of all defenders in USL when he was with Louisville. So <laughs> I would watch uh, Richmond on set pieces this year. They've got a defense that's very experienced and, I think that, you know, when you talk about a league that's got academy kids and 16, 17 year olds who are working on man marking um, and, you know, physically might be smaller, there's a team to watch out for when it comes to corner kicks and free kicks and set pieces. Yeah, something we should do, too, I think, when we go along here. So I spent some time uh, in our uh, when we're doing our notes where I I have all of the signings as of six o'clock today. Uh, how many signings are on each side? So the kickers right now have 11 signings. Um, so obviously they're you know going to have in the 20s somewhere by the time things are said and done they have another uh you know they have another 14 15 people in camp um so we'll see how many of those get signed and, and um you know as, as time goes on but they did also play and we'll get to this i guess a little bit later but they did play their first full-sided uh full-sided friendly against vcu uh earlier in the week and, and it wound up being nil-nil um but you know they, they did have you know all of their players out there uh you know getting getting some minutes in, uh, in a, um, a full-sided uh, situation with their, with, you know, not just interleagues, uh, not just an inter-team uh, scrimmages. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to keep a lookout uh, for how many players are signed uh, versus the potential of how many could be uh, signed. Because as you, as you see here, we're just over a month away from, from the first game. Um and you know, as as the season starts, you know MLS starts in ten days. Uh, in a couple weeks, the uh, USL Championship starts. So as, as cuts for all those squads start coming out, we can see what the players that are potentially out there and the, the last minute signings that you know teams are holding on for just to see who's out there. You know, not that uh, they're 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 overly waiting for for potential cuts, but you know it's going to be an interesting trickle-down effect. And I, I think you, we might see some bigger names coming towards, uh, you know, the beginning of the season, like in March. Um, I know, for instance, Lansing's already agreed uh, to a forward on loan that they're going to announce uh, March 3rd with the team. So I think as we get closer, um, we're looking at the roster now and we're seeing and trying to form and saying, okay, what's what's the best 11? And I think right now it's a little premature. And I think once we get into that first week, second week of March, that's when we're going to start announcing some more signings. And it's going to be like, okay, these are the kind of guys we're going to see on the field. For sure. Uh so next up, uh, I'll cover the Lansing one. Lansing uh, has a majority. They have 16 signed. Uh, so you, you would expect, you know, eight, roughly eight more. If, you know, give or take, that would put them at 24. Um, but their uh, their latest signing is Tumi Moshabon. Moshabone, maybe. Moshabone. I don't I'm just going to throw that out. We're, we're still learning. Uh, we're still learning. <laughs> But he's a South African midfielder. Uh, he played for all of it. Nazarene University uh, signed right out of out of college. Um, played for League Two when it was still the PDL uh, for a couple years. Uh, so you know, 
Lansing's Lansing's team put together, we're we're seeing a majority of of mid and, and some attacking players get, getting signed. Um, we had, uh, I believe, it was Chris that had the interview um, yeah. with, with her with her VP, and that's that's an interesting uh, and an enjoyable interview. We'll we'll talk about that later on in the show, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where you know having some experience, uh, you know, making sure they can play at this level and seeing what goes on. Um, and he's he's a player from Lansing United. Uh, he played for them in 2017, and I think this is their sixth player from Lansing United. So Coach Miller is definitely getting the players that he thinks fits his system. He has a system. He has a style. He says this is how we're going to play. We're going to be aggressive, counter-pressing. Um, and you can see that he's bringing those type of players that he's played with that knows that will fit that system. Um, so look for this team to bring in familiar faces and players that are going to fit this aggressive system to where if they lose the ball, they're going to win it right back. That's just the kind of mentality they're going to have. They're going to be pressing. They're going to be all over the place. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep up that form throughout the season. Um, but I think when you look at a lot of teams that have, you know, older players, older center backs, that, that could be something that's troubling for them. Yeah. Um, so we we know that we have the the rivalries, uh, the one that the USL was a source of force there, and the uh, the the lighthearted uh, between Ford and Lansing, um, and it's gone beyond jabs now. They both have signed uh, a player that uh, has a similar name. So, uh, Jason, do you want to uh, go? Yeah, for it looks. On this? It look- it looks like it's going to be uh, the war of the Patos. And so I'm excited for this just because, you know, like you said, it seems that everything that Lansing does and Ford does seems to be similarities. So you've got Christian Pato Diaz, uh, Mexican outside back. He's 27 years old, played for Atlas, um, and is going to be a back that can move forward. Um, someone that's going to be able to uh, overlap and send in some crosses and cause some havoc up top. Um, so, yeah, so now I'm ready for this, right? Because you have Lansing's Pato Bello, who, you know, who wants to be King Pato. They're going back and forth on social media. So I'm ready for it. We got three Street Fighter rounds. I, I want Pato versus Pato and may the best fighter win. They have to, like, the, the supporter groups have to have some sort of award to give to the best Pato, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I need. Yeah, definitely. I need to see that. And it's it's a, you know, Pato in in Spanish is duck. So maybe like, you know, you have like a duck hunt trophy or a TIFO or something like that for the winner. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, They also have signed a a goalkeeper who's also going to be a goalkeeper coach for them as well. Uh, Ryan Coulter. Yep. And uh, let's talk about how he got here. Because when you talk about players coming overseas, he's from Ireland. So I don't know how Chattanooga let him slip away from them since they're obviously Irish SC. But when you talk about international players and, you know, the scouting network and getting them here into America, what do you guys think is the most important part to getting a guy to come over here? You don't know? It's his girlfriend. Because what happened was Ryan went to college here, came to Ireland, graduated, went back to Ireland, played pro over there, uh, but kept a long-distance relationship with his girlfriend, would only see each other eight weeks uh, throughout the year, did that for two years. Um, And, you know, between his girlfriend, between the college memories, he missed being here. And so he said, you know what, I'm going to make a life decision and I'm going to come back to America, her being the forefront reason why. And that is the theme that Ford is using, whether it is Vital with uh, him having complicated issues with a girlfriend that he just met and then leaving her place or Ryan coming across the seas to uh, see his. This is a way you get players here. But uh, but no, Ryan, Ryan came back. Um, Played in MPSL side, Emerald Force SC, um, and then played at East Tennessee. Uh, got a call from his old coach there and actually got him a goalkeeping uh, coaching job at UCF. But Ryan had this thing to where he wanted to play pro, but he also just started getting into his coaching. He really missed playing pro. He kind of had to wait, you know, a 15 month period to get his green card. So then when Ford reached out to him and said, hey, 
why don't we have the best of both worlds? You can continue coaching and play for us. Um, it was it was an easy decision for him. So, and I think he joins, like I said, anything Ford does, Lansing does, or vice versa. So I think Lansing's the only other team in the league right now that actually also has a player coach that's a goalkeeper. Um, so yeah, just another himself, isn't he? I'm sorry. He's just gonna be coaching himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Whale Zanga is in Lansing's player coach. But this is an interesting one too for me because uh, Sylvester, in my opinion, is probably the most locked down, easy number one goalkeeper in the league. Right? He's got MLS experience. He's got USL experience. I think he's a he's a great keeper, and I might just be biased when he played in for the Union. So that's it's it's interesting to see them bring him in and say they're challenging. You know, Sylvester for a number one spot, which is fine. Maybe it's also for backup to where if Sylvester gets hurt, then you have another experienced, capable keeper. But also, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I'd, I'd watch and maybe uh, maybe they don't think uh, Sylvester hangs around long. Maybe they think he gets picked up and moves on up somewhere and, you know, or just set up the scenario to where if he does, you know, move up the USL championship or somebody is uh, low on depth and they need to pick him up, that they have a uh, backup waiting. That's true. And if any of the teams uh, don't have a goalkeeper yet or need an extra one, I know of a prime example. Uh, Dan Lind played for the Riverhounds last year. He was the backup, uh, but then Kyle Morgan got hurt early on, had a pretty good season. <laughs> he is still, for some reason, unsigned. So if uh, any of your teams need, need a goalkeeper, I know a guy. So last week it was ad reads. Now Jeff is an agent. This is great to see his <laughs> career blossoming in front of us. Uh, Mark. Yeah. So Tucson uh, has at least one, two players this week, right? Two players. I'm reading that right. Yeah. So they signed uh, Luke Hawsworth from University of Washington, straight out of college. Uh, he was a four-year starter at Washington, which is one of the better Pac-12 schools in soccer, at least. So, you know, uh, he, he played with, uh, I'm pretty sure Christian Roldan was there when he was there. Um, and so really experienced guy, 57 starts in college. Um, but at this point, I think he's depth for that back line. I think Tucson has their defensive starters at this point already, both who they have signed and who will come down from Phoenix. Um, so, but that's still good depth for, I mean, for the season and who knows who goes up to Phoenix uh, at the same point. And then they also signed Carlos Valdez, a goalkeeper uh, from Liga MX. Uh, he was a backup. He played with uh, youth teams down in Mexico. So so not an established starter, still a pretty young guy. Um, but again, more, uh, more depth for Tucson. Tucson's been one of those teams, like they started off slow with signings and then, you know, they, 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 they've built up, but, they they seem to be getting um, you know a lot of, of former more than the other teams we've covered uh, a lot of the academy players uh, players out of right out of college that that's have the overall uh, ability uh, not only to play but but also the the awareness. Um, do you see Tucson as being? I know it's super super early, but as being one of the the leaders uh, of League One just for the fact of quality of of players yeah that and just known quant quality and known quantity we there's there's so many players i assumed when league one started that there'd be a lot more of those college type players uh filling the rosters and we've had a lot a lot more uh, international players than what i thought would occur so just based on the fact that we know a lot of these guys i i think there there's a quality that we can be assured of for tucson uh, but four or five games into the season, who knows? Uh, but I, I'm looking forward. I, I still think we talked a couple of weeks ago. I still think that the uh, the strength of the team is that back line and goalkeeping and defense. And so just the continued, uh, I, the, those first five, 10 games will be important for them. So do you believe, and if you guys haven't checked it out, Ira had a great piece on BGN Written Network. Go check that out. Um, on the traveling 
that these teams have to do. And with Tucson having to travel the most, you're mentioning that there's international players and you're mentioning, you know, that a lot of times international players come here and they're not used to travel, right? They're Mm -hmm. not used to going so far. They're not used to these long plane rides. They're not used to time zone difference. And you feel that in the jet lag. So is it safe to say that Tucson kind of needs to have the best depth in this league in order to sustain being one of those top four, top two teams? I, I think so. And I, the schedule is at least spread out enough where there's not too many of those two games in a week type of deals where they have to travel consistently. Um, but yeah, in, until that, that point in the uh, end of the season when they play, I think it's like seven of the last eight at home, uh, you're going to need a constant rotation of guys. And especially these guys are used to playing either PDL or college where there's constant rotation. And so some of them might not have that stamina, that 90-minute stamina yet. And so, yeah, it's important to have at least two three guys who can probably play each level. And the other benefit of having guys come down for spot starts uh, will, will help too. I think the other thing with the travel is that, you know, some, well, Tucson travels almost twice as much as the next most traveled team. Um, just a plug for the piece that Jason mentioned. Um uh, t- take a look at that because I have all of the travel for all 10 teams in, in the league over the, the course of the, the season. You know, Liga MX and Brazil, those leagues actually travel pretty far. I mean, at least compared to Europe, right? Compared to, say, England, where like the longest trip is like a four hour train ride. In, um, in Mexico, you still have to, if you're going from Tijuana to Guadalajara and, and then to Mexico City, those are, all, those are all flights. Those aren't something, you know, those are all reasonably long trips. So, so I think having a guy like, you know, folks from Mexico is a little bit different than getting someone from, say, who's used to playing in the Irish League where they can just bust around the, the country for the most part. Very, very true. Um, so North Texas uh, has... Uh, at least one signing this week. Um, they're only at 10 players, so they're going to have a lot more signings coming up. Uh, but they uh, signed David Rodriguez, who's 16 years old. Is that uh, yeah, right? He's, 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 he's 16. His uh, his older brother actually signed uh, with them at uh, on January 31st. So he's uh, it's a you know brothers are going to play with each other in the midfield there at uh, at at FC Dallas's uh, uh, farm team. Um, you know that he, uh, both of them played for the academy. He's he's interesting. He's eligible for both the U.S. and Mexico, and so is his brother. Uh, he played for the U.S. Uh, youth national team. Um, you know this kid darts around the field uh, when when you just watch what he plays. Now, granted, these are you know things like U19 academy games, but remember he's 16 playing U19 academy games, and uh, he he's really dribbly on the ball. Um, but you know this kid's 139 pounds. I mean, my dog is almost that size, right? It's it's <laughs> You know, this it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes up against, you know, against one of these other center back signings, right? Like, what happens when he comes up against, you know, Connor um, Shanowski at against Richmond, and you know, this guy is six two and like two hundred pounds, right? It's gonna, you know, that's going to be a, a test for for these young kids. But but that's the point of something like a North Texas, right? Is you know they they want to bring up these academy kids and basically bloody them a little bit. So it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting. I, I really hope the U.S. is able to keep this kid and that he develops well, um, because I do think like if we need another number ten for the national team, this kid has the potential to do that. I mean, we don't know what it's going to happen in the next two, three, four years, but you know he he's got that kind of upside, I think, and you know I, I hope maybe we can cap time this fall in the um, in the in the Nations League. That would be that would be cool. Just get him a ten minute run out out there and a blowout against some you know small Caribbean country or something. Yes, United States national team, because when has not signing a dual citizen of Mexico and the U.S. who is talented and young ever gone wrong for us? Hmm. <laughs> Was that a spicy take? It wasn't it's so spicy. Just- I, you know what? Don't, don't complain to me. What you do is go to the U.S. national team site and you complain to the diversity team that they have and the diversity advisor position that they have uh, that's not filled. So I don't know who you're complaining to, but obviously <laughs> they don't care either. So I'm just throwing that out there. Go ahead. Well, what's interesting is they signed Rodriguez to a three-year deal, which from all the releases I've seen so far, I haven't seen a team sign a, a contract like that. So, I mean, he, he's in it for for the long haul, it seems. And it doesn't seem like it's one of those uh, academy contracts where 
he's still eligible eligible for college. Uh, and so he he's with the team, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes up to FC Dallas by the end of that contract. We've got the Dos Santos brothers of League One minus the uh, Coke and Hookers. <laughs> Man. Uh, well, in a related side note uh, to Jason's take there uh, in the Wall Street Journal, oh, I thought uh, you meant about the Coke and hookers. No, 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 all no. over the place. Uh, for, for the use of soccer, just in general, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal today uh, where, admittedly, the U.S. soccer doesn't know how many kids are in their program. Like, like young kids, like they have no. They're like, yeah, no, we just never kind of thought about tracking this so we don't know we're assuming we're down but we don't know we don't know actual numbers and like if that doesn't explain just why it took so long for the whole now at least the men's national team to have found not only a coach but the u.s soccer to find a president and everything else i don't really know how else to explain it to people we're the, we're the melting pot of the world. We're losing players to dual citizenship to other countries because we're not even contacting them, not even dropping them a visit. And these are talented players who are going to be in the World Cup. We don't have any kind of diversity council or position with our national team. We don't make the World Cup. And our biggest concern right now is raising ticket prices to friendlies and games that don't matter. And this is why... I don't have any faith right now. I'm hoping that there's a change going on and you can hire a new coach. He can come in with a new system, but this is going to have to be a federation, right? And I, I represent my Soka Warriors, so I'm aware of horrible, uh, corrupt, and just all over the place uh, federations. And I'm not going to say the U.S. is as bad, but it's also not any better because they are not making any progress right now. What have we done in this year that we didn't do four years ago to help us get there, right? Like, I'm glad that Bert Tolter's come in and playing as players. But, yeah, this is something that needs to be fixed internally before we're going to see any results externally, and raising ticket prices is not how you go about that. And, and the thing is, like, a kid like David Rodriguez, he's on the radar, right? I mean, this kid is playing in the development academy, and now he's a professional in a team that should be on the radar. So, so you know, folks like him and his brother – um, you know, the U.S. soccer knows about them. The question is, you know, now, in fairness, do they fit, you know, the Burhalter system versus the FC Dallas system, which, you know, they are, they do have, have differences. So if, if for whatever reason, David Rodriguez doesn't quite fit what Burhalter wants in a number 10, well, then maybe he doesn't necessarily get called up. But I, I still think that, you know, we need to, we need to have a deeper pool, right, when we're talking about the national team. And a way to do that is to make sure we get some of these younger kids capped tight early and that, uh, you know, they stay on the radar, they get called into January camps. And then, um, you know, if, if they, you know, when we have a need, we're able to call up, you know, that, that 26, 27th person on the roster that, that we need, even though they might not, you know, always be in the, in the 23 on game day. Literally give them a phone call. I mean, it's just that simple, right? Show initiative that, hey, we're not trying to get you to make a decision right now, but we want to let you know that we're committed to entertaining the thought of you playing with us. We want to see your growth. We want you to be able to have the resources that you need. We're here. That's it. That could that can make a world of difference. Very true. Speaking of things that are on the radar, Orlando City B has players. I, so I was actually I was sitting there doing the show notes, and all of a sudden I get the tweet from Orlando City B's uh, you know Twitter account, and they say you know roster release. So it's not a player. They dropped twenty five players, although the press release only said that there were twenty two on their roster. So I don't know you know what happened. Was it like you Ma- know math isn't their strong guys you know uh, beds out on the uh, <laughs> out of the locker room or something I'm not sure but uh, but yeah so, so it's a very young roster uh, you know it's, it's a little under 20 years uh, old is the average age the oldest player on the team is actually a, a, a USL veteran who's 23 years old in Kobe OC uh, I always pronounce his name wrong but is it Wusu, right? Um, he, who played for the Kickers last year he was actually a decent winger uh, type player outside uh, a winger midfielder for uh, for the Kickers, and and he's 23. And he's the oldest player. Their youngest player is 15 years old. Uh, so the other thing that's interesting about uh, this roster is how many players 
played for uh, for Soccer Institute of Mont Montverde, which is a residency program in Central Florida. Uh, so it's kind of like the Orlando City uh, Academy in many ways. But even some of the players who uh, are older also played for uh, – for the Monteverde Academy. So guys who went to college and now came back and they're 22 years old, there's a few of them that are that are on there too. Um, and also uh, 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 Matthias uh, Silva, who you guys might remember, played at the Quakes a couple years ago and also last year bounced around USL a little bit, played for Swope Park and, uh, and Reno. Um, so, you know, th there's a lot of, um, you know, you know, there's a lot of interesting players there. Obviously, they're players that they hope will, you know, move up to the move up to the first team over time. I mean, and again, this is another situation like North Texas, like, you know, some of these 15 and 16 year olds, uh, you know, how are they going to do against, you know, 27 year old center backs who, you know, have a lot of experience that are scrappy. So they, a couple of elbows in the face might, you know, you know, might change their opinion about some things. But, you know, it, I'm glad that they have a roster, glad that they, they actually put something out. And I hope, uh, you know, we'll see more information on, on a lot of these kids as time goes on. That's for sure. So that is the last... Their, their, their youngest kid is the same age as my oldest. So I, I told my son to get, get working. <laughs> <laughs> so we have one more signing, um, but it's not a player signing the uh, Red Wolves added David uh, is it Beriuta? I am so sorry if you're if you're listening David that I just screwed up your name uh, but but uh, he's he'll be the uh, goalkeeper and assistant coach uh, he played in uh, the the A, A League and in the USL. Uh, he went to Rutgers uh, and, and performed in the 1990 College Cup final, uh, as well as assisting at a uh, number of universities, including Yale. Yeah. So can we just back up just a little bit? You know, the Red Wolves have signed 18, Greenville have signed 15, uh, Tormenta, interestingly, are the only team I think that have, uh, besides Orlando, that has more than 20. Uh, so they have 21 players signed. Um, and interestingly, you know, so the, the only – the only roster that we haven't gotten some semblance of, you know, exactly, um, you know, where they're going is still Toronto, where they have 14 players on their website roster, but I don't know how real that is um, because it hasn't changed since December, I don't think. So, I don't think the first Toronto team knows how many players they have after that horrible ass Concacaf Champions League game last uh, night. So, yeah, I think that whole uh, franchise right now is in turmoil. Yeah, we have yeah. more questions about that soon. So. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Oh, who can win in uh, T2 versus T1? I'm ready. Let's get it all ready. The season hasn't even started yet, and I'm ready. Uh, um, but, yeah, that was the last of the signings that we had. Uh, so we'll go over some preseason matches. Uh, the matches that got played uh, on the 16th, uh, we had Atlanta 2. Uh, versus Tormenta, um, I'm not sure of the result of that, but at least they have a game under their uh, under their belt. Uh, Tormenta thanks to uh, Atlanta too for hosting them, and but no, there was no one posted any results or anything. So, so that either means that they're graciously winning, or they're just very polite when they lost. <laughs> but but either way, manners, manners, number one rule, manners. <laughs> Uh, also on February 16th, uh, Richmond uh, drew VCU uh, with a nil-nil uh, scoreline. Uh, Ira, do you have anything more on that game? No, I mean after, afterward, they uh, you know interviewed some of the players on on um, on the kickers uh, the kickers social media, and you know they said it was good to get out there and, and basically try out the new system. You know they're still very much in preseason, um, yeah, so keep on adding players, and um, you know they've only been been in camp now for a little over a week, so it's not exactly surprising that you know they're rust they're people are very rusty and they're, they're just, um, you know, I'm sure they're trying out a lot of different things too, but no, no real, uh, serious color. Yeah. Uh, and then today, uh, FC Tucson played against, uh, the New York Red Bulls too. 
Um, at halftime, it was 1-1, but uh, ended with uh, the Red Bulls winning 5-2. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I I, saw, I watched the first half of that game, actually. You know, there, there were a lot of uh, basically academy kids and, and the bottom half of the Red Bulls roster because the Red Bulls are playing in the Champions League right now down in, in uh, the Dominican Republic. Um, and, uh, you know, the Red Bulls were, were definitely pressing. Uh, Tucson were, were trying to possess the ball and try and pass around the press. And a few times they got burned for it. Um, I, I, I think... You know, Tucson, if, if they're going to p- try to possess the ball, they just need to just pass a little bit faster. They basically need to just think and move ahead um, and play a little bit more more chess, They, uh, um, especially against a team that's going to press, So, which which we know that some of the other teams in League One are going to want to do that. And I think, you know, if Tucson want to be the, a possession team, similar to maybe what Richmond's trying to do, um, they just – you know, they need to just move the ball a little bit faster and, and they'll be fine. Right. They're also into, you know, they've also been in camp for what a week or 10 days, whereas Red Bulls too have been in camp since the beginning of January. So it's significant, you know, they're at different places too. So I don't know if you could take that scoreline to mean that there's, you know, anything, um, you know, anything drastic that Tucson really needs to do, except, you know, continue to continue to work on, uh, um, continue to work on, on both fitness and style. Uh, so for the upcoming weekend matches, um, Indy 11 uh, is facing Ford Madison. Uh, Richmond is facing uh, Bastille. And then the Red Wolves are facing Atlanta 2, and Tormenta is facing the Rowdies. Uh, so if you're out and about around those areas, uh, check out those games. Uh, we'll be sure to give you score lines and as much information as we have on next week's show. Uh, so... Thank you for everyone that uh, that have asked questions. Uh, we're we're enjoying the, the the quality and the quantity of questions that are coming in. Uh, so the first one that we're going to get to today is from uh, Rhinos Outsider, and the question is: What indicators should League One fans be looking forward uh, to determine the qu- the competitive quality of the league? Uh, and then a follow up to that is. How big of a golf in quality will there be between the best and worst teams in League One? So basically, between the best team and Toronto. So I think, um, as far as quality goes, you want to try to match it with, in my opinion, you want to try to be as close with the USL Championship as possible. Obviously, when you're playing 16, 17 year old kids, it's not going to all be there all the way, but. You know, these are teams in USL Championship supposedly that are dropping down. Um, and then these are academy kids who are looking to play in MLS, right? So this should be a league to where you're watching a player. There's going to be some that stand out, obviously, and you go, that definitely is a player that can be playing in USL Championship, or that's definitely a player that can be playing in MLS. Um, but I think as a whole, as, as skill-wise, quality-wise, I, I would be happy seeing them close to a USL Championship level as far as – the best team compared to the worst and the differences, it's going to be interesting because Orlando's oldest player is 23. And, you know, when you've got Chattanooga that has a front line, you know, guys who are in their thirties and experienced, you know, they're, they might put a hurting on them. It, I'm, I'm curious to interview some players and kind of ask about that mentality. Right. I think for a 16 year old, he has a lot to prove. So he's going to go out there and be motivated and be all around the ball and, and run, you know, ferociously. But as a 30 year old, do you, do you feel kind of bad, you know, manhandling a 15 year old? Do you, do you feel like, okay, I need to, you know, be less physical. It, it'll, so, you know, I think there's going to be games where you might see a seven, nothing, right. Cause you have these kids that are learning um, especially on the back line, right. If you're playing, you know, two, three, 17 year olds on your back line, mistakes happen. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about that later because there is a certain team we didn't talk about that had a preseason game uh, who like, who made a lot of mistakes on the back line, but we'll get into that later. I, I think one of the, one of the ways that we'll be able to tell is how some of these teams do in the open cup. Um, you know, some of these teams are going to come in, they're going to wind up playing um, league two teams and a few of them will obviously get through. And when they do, how do they stack up against the championship teams that they'll meet in the next round and in, in the, um, the second and third rounds. And, you know, I would not be shocked if one or two of these teams made it through and ended up facing an MLS team in uh, when the MLS 
teams come in in June. That, that would, is not out of the question at all. Um, in fact, I've been talking to a couple of people in the front office of a few of the, the clubs, and some of them made it uh, clear that you know their, their roster budgets are not significantly different than the roster budgets of some championship teams. So if that's the case and they're able to turn those dollars into quality, you would expect at least some of the teams to be pretty close in quality to you know a mid-table, maybe bottom-table championship team. I mean, it's hard to know if they'd be at the top, but certainly, uh, uh, certainly competitive potentially. And you compare it to championship where you have the, the competitive teams and the academy teams pretty much, the S2s, uh, even the T2s and Los Doses at some point. And League One, that's going to that's gonna get a lot closer. So I think it's going to be a lot more competitive of the league compared to the championship. Uh, and, and, yeah, we're gonna, it won't be until the Open Cup until you can see how the league compares uh, to the other leagues, MPSL, UPSL, championship. You know, the, the second half of this question was, you know, how big is the gulf in quality? I don't think there's any way that we can know that until, you know, we've seen at least a few of the games. Um, because it's going to be really hard to tell. A lot of these teams are new rosters. There's a lot of college signings that, you know, have to be integrated. And, you know, that we know that there's a lot of quality on some of the teams. And then there's a lot of unknowns on a lot of, the, on a lot of those same teams. So until we see all of them, um, you know, it's going to be really, really hard to tell. Yeah, I... I... On the golf part, I don't think that you know we're going to see, you know, every team within you know, like one or two points of each other. But I also don't, you know, think that we're going to see where the difference between first and and tenth there is, you know, ten plus points. Either mm-hmm. like, maybe, at least ten, maybe ten. But like, you know, I don't think we're going to have teams that are like struggling to get points. Um, you know, they're they're going to get their points, and yeah, like we're. There are teams that are going to gravitate toward the top or sink to the bottom, but I think that, at a fair guess, even though you know we don't know complete rosters and we haven't seen, you know, official games played with with their starting 11s yet, but you know we can sort of pick which teams that are going to gravitate toward the top and which teams are kind of in the bottom. But yeah, I don't think that you know it's going to be this super wide golfing class, uh, and I think that if I think that if it would be – if everyone was way close together, I mean, even though there was 10 teams, that everyone would sort of be like, well, you know, how – you know, is this true parity? Is it just that everyone's just sort of filling each other out for the, the first season? And, you know, we definitely know there are teams that are going all out or have to go all out and make, you know, this year the year that they're it's, – it's win or nothing. And then there are teams where it's – we're just trying to trying to get our, our feet under us and see what our players can do. Well, that, yeah. that, the question we had last week, right, about build or win now. So, you know, there might be some teams that are trying to just build and other teams that are, you know, really want to win the first, you know, first season of the league. And uh, soccer chat, uh, that's soccer chat with two T's, like Chattanooga, get it? Very uh, catchy podcast name. They asked a similar question and said, you know, they asked, would you rather see four dominant teams or would you rather see, you know, parity across the whole league? And I have a feeling that it's going to be parity. I think between rotating, between kids, between the travel, I think you're going to see six, seven teams really be close within, you know, those, those playoffs um, positions. So I don't think it's going to be a top four and the rest fall apart. And if there are top four, I don't think it's going to be a too far gap from five and six and seven. Um, once you start getting that eight, though, I think those those last two teams uh, might struggle a little bit. Well, and that's what you want, right? As a league in your first year, you want you want games in August, September, October to matter. And so I, I'm sure that's what the league is hoping for, at least from a fan standpoint and a competition standpoint. Yeah. Uh, the next question that we have here is from Section O resident or Section Zero resident. Uh, it's since we're about five weeks away from the start of the season, uh, what was the primary on-field issue you see with each team uh, that they still need to address based on what we know now? So I talked about a little earlier uh, for those who didn't know, I uh, sure I didn't until I did some research and found out uh, Orlando B played Miami FC. Uh, I believe this past weekend and lost for nothing. 
Um, and Miami FC is a good team, right? They they won MPSL championship last year, have MLS quality players, former MLS players on that team. So that's nothing to really, you know, you know, be hard on yourself about. The reason you should be hard on yourself is because three of the four goals that Orlando conceded were from the back line, and it wasn't the back line not being able to keep up with good play. It was the back line giving away the ball. So two of those three goals were literally from bad loose passes that uh, a striker just took and scored. And another one was a bad back pass that a striker followed through and went around the keeper. So when we talk about teams that have issues, especially if Orlando's is oldest player is 23, that's the team that I'm very scared about when it comes to defenders. Because if you're playing these 18-year-old defenders and they're showing that, you know, they'll get better as the season goes on, but if they're not sure about their passes yet, they don't have that chemistry, I think teams, especially like teams like Chattanooga, can really take advantage of that. And they'll, take you know, put three goals in the first half and put the game out of reach before halftime even starts. So that's at least from what I see, if we're going to talk about specific teams, I think Orlando fans – uh, that's something that you want to be worried about. Yeah, my I agree with with the Orlando, especially because of the age. Um, I, mean, I, I think for for majority of the teams, you know, you know, the age matters, and you know, trying to figure out exactly the balance. Um, the the team that I'm going to say that I'm worried about, just because none of us know what the roster is, is Toronto. Um. Because, like, they weren't good last year in championship. Like, or, well, you know, now it wasn't what's now championship. So I wouldn't expect them to be a top team, but we also have no idea what we're looking at. We don't know if those 14 players, alleged players, are the same. We don't know. We, we have nothing, no information about that. Um, and I think it would also. It would almost look silly to a point to have, uh, you know, Orlando City B and then Toronto Two, you know, in League One and just stay at the bottom. Like, now, granted, if they're if they're wanting to just build players and they go up, that's one thing. But if if they want to put on a face of, you know, we're we're trying to to be competitive, um, it would be a bad look. See, two teams don't have to be bad, though, right? Go back to the inaugural season of, like, Red Bulls 2 in, in USL, and they won the championship, right? So, and they've been good ever since. And you, you look at other teams, like even, um, you, know, you know, Sounders 2, um, you look at, you know, T2, and, and none of those teams, while, you know, while they didn't really vie for the championship, they also were not bad teams. Like, they were actually fun teams to watch. So they passed the eye test. And I think that's important for just fans of soccer is, like, you know, can can these teams pass the eye test? You know, it's, it's hard to answer – it's hard to – answer um section a section of this question primarily because you know we we don't have enough data points at this point to see what they're doing on the field and, and understand what they're doing on the field because most of these games haven't been haven't been streamed or anything so i think you know it's once we see um you know a couple of games we'll be able to tell hey you know this team really needs a better midfield or this team needs a better center back and and i agree with everything that you said jeff but it's just you know i think it's still too early to tell just because we don't have enough information about each of the teams to be able to answer the question fully yeah yeah that well that leads us into our into the next question here from weston shelton um that's, that asked you know once more preseason games roll in once we have more scores um you know how seriously are we going to take the preseason games um you know it's it's preseason but as as weston brings up the whole uh toronto uh lvl uh situation i i don't even know if situation is the right word i don't know what the right word for that is apparently it was the greatest win of all time um but to answer Weston's question, yeah, I think you do take them seriously. And more so because this is a brand new league with brand new players. A lot have never played professionally before. A lot have never played with each other before. So this is not MLS teams and USL championship teams playing preseason and trying out players to see what system, you know, who's going to start, who's going to be back up. And these are not coaches. You have some coaches, yes, who have their system, but this is not a system from teams that have established that system from years on end. This is brand new, right? So these are games to where you need to see the coach when they're playing these systems, 
is it working with the players that they have, right? So when you have, if you were to have a USL League One team go out and beat an MLS team 3-1, that is impressive to me because this is a new system with new players and it's showing that, okay, this is something that works against a team that's already had a system in place for years. They're just rotating players to see who is going to start and who isn't. But regardless, that system is clicking right away. And so I mentioned it before, when you look at teams like Lansing United and or you look at teams like uh, Lansing, have had players from Lansing United come up and are familiar with the system. When you have Tormenta who signed half of their squad back and are familiar with that system, those are the preseason games I would look at because if that show, if they're winning and that system is clicking, those are the teams you don't want to face early into the season. I think that's more important for USL League One than it is for MLS or USL Championship who already have coaches that have been there a couple of years, already have systems that's established. I think these are important to see what's actually working and what needs to be changed before the season starts. See, and I think it's more it's more though than the results because uh, at least if watching like FC Tucson play, like they're not winning any of their games. They're getting smoked most of their games, and they're playing MLS teams, so you expect that. So I I I don't care about the scoreline until it matters. I, what I want to see is is the team playing well in in spurts and moments. You know, they're going to get dragged for most of the game, but are those concepts that they're learning that they're trying to implement working and are they working well or is there things they need to work on is there things they need to change and so i just want to see do the players understand what's expected of them regardless of the score especially when playing teams that outmatch them three times over yeah and you know unfortunately well, we don't, you know, unless you're near them, we don't get to see the games. Um, so we don't have a whole lot of insight. But as the season progresses with this new ESPN Plus deal, we do get to see all the games, whether live or, um, you know, on a recap, depending on what your situation is. Uh, so the next que- couple questions we have go around ESPN Plus. Um, Cody Revis asks us. Uh, what are our feelings on the ESPN Plus partnership is for the league? And do you think that it would attract more talent since it has more exposure? Yeah, I think, uh, especially if it does get international, um, like I said, it's exposure, right? It's people saying, low, this is a league with international players. This is a league that has affiliations with MLS. Like this is something that, I should look into and talk to my agent about it or try to go to, you know, uh, open tryout. Cause this is a league that has open tryouts. This is a league that gives opportunity to local players. Um, so I think it's great exposure. And I do think that you are going to see people coming to those tryouts or people trying to connect with the teams that they wouldn't have necessarily had they not seen it on television, right? There's a difference between, Oh yeah, I play for the third division in Denmark to where, okay, how can I watch you play? Well, you can't really watch me play to, oh yeah, I play for a third division of American soccer. Where do you play? Like, oh, turn on ESPN plus. And it's just like, oh, that sounds like a bigger deal. And it's an easier way, like I said, for people to scout you and it's an easier way for you to be seen. So yeah, I think that's a huge deal to bring in new talent into the league, especially at the beginning of the league, right? Because it's still new. It's still going to just grow more and more year after year. So people are going to hop onto this and say, yeah, this is a great platform and a pedestal for me to get to. Well, it's even better because internationally it's on YouTube. And so it's not, you don't have to pay for it uh, as far as I know. And so, I mean, you'll get, you'll get even people just randomly clicking through and finding this random third division American game uh, who knows where. And so even not, even if it's not even for the players, just exposure for the league in general uh, is always a good thing. Yeah. And, and we, we've talked about, you know, how, having a community base and a lot of these teams are, you know, rallying around the community or having the community rally around them. Uh, and, and from a pure fan perspective, you know, before this, you know, if you had an away game, if they were close, like maybe you could do a carpool or a supporters group could, you know, take a bus, whatever. But with lots of these away games happening, you know, it's going to be, a, a, you're not really going to be able to, to consistently go, to four away games, so you can see it there, and then also, you know, if, if you have people that maybe generally are casual soccer fans or maybe have no real 
interest in going to a game, but are like, you know, if it's on TV, like weather's bad, whatever, like that's still a way to introduce people. And also, you know, we talked last week about not trying to fit Europe's uh, soccer lineage and, and how they view soccer here. But at the same point, we can see that, you know, being that it's easier to stream with with the ESPN Plus, you know, if you want to have a house party and throw it on your big screen, you can. If you want to support your local pub and go out there and throw a watch party, even if it's for a home game and, you know, maybe a significant party group doesn't want to go on, or even if you're like, hey, look, our team's on, just throw it on one of the TVs, that's getting people watching it and hopefully, you know, if not supporting the team, trickling into the audience. So it it's all goes full circle about growing the community and having the community give back. If an international player can come to a league and have their families watch them play, that's a win. Simple mm-hmm. as that, right? And it's not even just their family. It can be their whole community. It can be other players that they played with who want to see the quality of the league. It's a win. Yeah, and someone wrote Straight something up. earlier. I don't, yeah, I don't remember who it was, but we're talking about scouting, right? So if you're, you know, if you're a team and say the EFL championship, and you say, "Hey, we need a player that's like this," oh, it was, yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, of you course know it was. was. Oh, you know it was. You know it was. Yeah, but, but it's important, right? Because because you say, okay, maybe this is a, a kid that we want to scout. We can send our U.S. based domestic scout to a couple of matches because you know you do have to send the scout uh, to um, individual matches and, and live matches in order to get the the right flavor for things but your first stopping point is always going to be the video right you're always going to watch the video and say okay maybe that person's worth a look let's let's you know t- take take a look you know jeff we, we forgot to do something we forgot to ask uh, jason at the top of the show about his jersey what are you wearing today oh yeah so um for those who don't follow me on twitter home sweet soccer i went to guatemala went to the uh, concacaf champion league game of houston dynamo and guasatoya and yeah this is the uh commemorative jersey uh of uh dynamo's 1-0 win with uh demarcus ageless beasley going uh going wild for black history month with a banger from his right foot his quote-unquote weak foot but demarcus don't have weak feet all his feet are strong so it was it was, it was a fun experience food was good fans were great um they make this bird noise throughout the whole game, which is really creepy, but also really cool. Um, they had a bunch of fans that I think like between probably between three, four thousand that took the bus down from Guasatoya to Guatemala City. Um, had to go back with that L on a Tuesday night, though, at midnight, which yeah, you don't want to do that for a two hour bus ride. But hey, you know, it happens when you uh, try to mess with the bees. So there's there's one more question that I saw. Uh, I saw it earlier today, so I, unfortunately I don't remember uh, who sent it in. But uh, they were asking us as, as a group if we were going to do any uh, remote podcast League One show. So I can probably say that as a full group, all uh, five of us, it's probably not going to happen due to location and schedules. But for any of you that are going to, you know, your local games or Jason, who's just going all around League One and causing mayhem and, and stirring up things, uh, are any of you thinking about or potentially going to do, you know, like a, a mini something or other that we can put on on the podcast, you know, from the whatever games you go to? Well, I think as we do, we should definitely sense out something from the uh from our uh, from our Twitter account to let us know. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be trying to go to a couple of games uh, throughout the season. You know, something we need to think about is, you know, hey, can we use some of those, uh, you know, advertising dollars and make sure we get to uh, we get to the cup final, right? Are y'all you getting paid? I didn't, I didn't get I a paycheck. I was getting paid. I was just saying that uh, they could buy us a beer at the cup final. Uh, oh, okay, okay. First and foremost, um, the man's name was Mr. Steel, your picnic basket. So let's put some respect on his name. Oh, especially sorry. with a great I'm, name I'm, like I'm, that. I'm, all right. That is a great name. Yeah. That is a great that name. A great name. Um, yeah. So like I was saying, I'll be traveling around. Jeff was saying it too. So when we go to local games, we'll definitely tweet out about it um, so that we can meet up. We love to meet y'all. Uh, I'll be doing player interviews and stuff as well. So feel free to kind of join in and have a discussion. I have a gambling problem. So if you want to make wagers throughout the game, let me know. I love uh, drinking off of your expense. 
So yeah, but that's definitely something we might not be able to all get together, uh, but we'll be traveling. So uh, definitely we'll tweet out where we're at. And uh, yeah, we would love for y'all to come and argue with us. For sure. And also for those of you who listen or watch the stream, you know, if you're going to games, let us know, like send us pictures, send us something from there. Um, being that I'm nowhere close, the closest game I get is preseason game with Lansing and the Riverhounds. I'm uh, curious to see what the stadiums look like, what the atmosphere is like for various games, uh, rivalry games or not. But you know, let us let us know that you're out there, and I'm sure the teams will uh, support the local coverage too. Uh, guys, is there anything else that we may have missed that you want to bring up? The one thing I I saw uh, that somebody had mentioned was that there's going to be a collaboration. I think it was with uh, Chattanooga, and they're going to be um, working with somebody to you know have some players play and build some fields. Can, did anybody? I think it's with uh, East Ridge Football Club. Uh, yeah. So there was a there was a press release uh, that that they sent out about their. Um, this new partnership. So, th- so they partnered with a couple of different clubs in both Northern Georgia and then uh, Southeastern uh, Tennessee. And, you know, th- this was just, this was the latest one that they, uh, that they signed. So it's a, it's a youth mostly recreation club, but the, one of the goals is um, to kind of scout. They have a, this club has 2,500 players. They're hoping to scout those and see who can maybe move up to, uh, uh, to the Academy and, and uh, you know, kind of be, part of the pipeline. So building, building a network, you know, a, a lot of other clubs, you know, that, that's where FC Dallas did a great job. That's where um, I, I think, you know, the, uh, the galaxy Academy, the Red Bulls Academy, the, those academies and in particular do a great job just integrating with the community and with a lot of the local clubs. So I think Chattanooga seems to be doing that. And I think a lot of these other teams are going to be doing it too. Look at forward Madison, um, you know, Lansing, I think did the same thing not so long ago uh, where they announced that they were partnering with a couple of the local youth soccer clubs so um you know th- that's something that you know we, we talk about every show like this is the great thing about you know grassroots soccer and having all the, the you know teams in some of the smaller markets is that we'll be able to find talent in those markets that maybe was you know really untapped um and and so i think chat chattanooga is you know kind of doing the right thing there yeah and, and hopefully you know we'll, we'll see something to that effect uh, as the league moves on with with other various teams. Uh, all right, guys. If there's nothing else before we get out of here, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scars. Uh, make sure that you're getting your custom scars at roughneckscars.com. Uh, if you haven't checked out the latest episode where we did the interviews, uh, Jason and Chris uh, have two very very well done interviews. Make sure you check that out. Um, and also for those that are asking, we are now on Apple Podcasts. So we're now running the gamut. Um, but that is all that I have for today, guys. Uh, if anyone else has anything, great. Uh, make sure that, if, if not, before we leave, make sure that anyone who's listening, make sure that uh, you catch us on your favorite podcast uh, entity as well. Like, subscribe, share. Uh, for those of you who uh, watch, also like, uh, subscribe, and share. Get that listening too. Uh, if nothing else, we will see you guys next Wednesday at 9, and uh, podcast should be up uh, in the next uh, couple of days. Bye.